If you were to take a philosophy 101 course, I can assure you that in the first couple of weeks of class, two of the words the professor would make sure that you know and that you know well would be the words intellect and will. Okay? Intellect and will. Now, many of us know this, but our intellect and our will are what are called faculties of the human soul, meaning realities of the human soul, right? You as a human person, I trust you're a human person. You as a human person, there's two realities. You have a body, you have a soul. Your body is right here, what you can see. Your soul's immaterial. It does not have substance, right? It's invisible. Yeah, we believe in invisible things. It's called the soul, right? The soul, we say, has two faculties, two realities called the intellect and the will. Your intellect, my intellect, is simply the thing within us that thinks and reasons. Our will is the thing that chooses, right? I see some nods. That means you probably took philosophy out of the University of Mary. Great. So a quick example. Intellect, thinking, reasoning. You said, okay, today... Sunday, February 13th, I'm going to the 6.30 p.m. Mass at St. Mary's Parish in downtown Bismarck, right? I don't care about the Super Bowl. I'm going to the 6.30 Mass at St. Mary's. You thought about it. You reasoned your way through it, right? And then you had to exercise your will to come. So you had to get in the car and put on your seatbelt, I hope, and follow the speed limit and drive down here or throw your kids in the car, whatever that looks like, right? You chose to come, unless you were one of the kids that was thrown in the car, right? You chose to come. Your intellect and your will, two faculties of the human soul. Now, the reason I mention that is because what I just described is what philosophers throughout the ages, going back to long before Jesus, people like Aristotle, believed about the human soul. And that's good. But it falls a bit short, and here's why. Because there's also another reality of the human soul that it fails to kind of focus on. Namely, the heart. Right? Because we know that's also part of our soul too, isn't it? If I were to ask you, what is the heart? There's lots of ways to answer, right? Are you going to answer from a medical standpoint and say, well, the heart is that 10 to 12 ounce organ within my chest cavity that pumps blood through my body. That's the heart, yes. Medically speaking, yes. But we also know on a much deeper level, the heart is where we experience, you could say, life. The heart is where we experience the full range of human emotions, right? It's where you experience emotion. So right now, if you're sitting there saying, wow, I'm very, very bored, bad choice, 630 Mass, St. Mary's. That's an emotion. And you're experiencing that on the level of the heart, right? Life is full of emotions, anger, joy, sadness, confusion, frustration, gratitude, all those things are emotions, and the place where you and I experience them is right here, in the heart. Not necessarily in that organ, but in that part of our soul, the heart. Now, 
I mention all that as a preface to this. Everyone, if I were to ask you, what is Christianity at its very core? Like, how would you define Christianity? You know, there's lots of ways to try to answer that. Somebody might say, well, Christianity, it's a philosophy. It's a way of life. It's a way of thinking. It's a way of processing. Okay? Some might say it's an ethical norm, right? Christianity provides or proposes a certain level of ethical norms that I'm supposed to follow. Do this, don't do that, don't even think about doing that, right? Ethical norms. But Christianity is more than philosophy, and it's more than ethical norms. We say that Christianity, and you know this, but that it's a revealed religion, right? That God has chosen in his goodness and love and care for you and I, to not just remain abstract, but he's chosen to reveal himself, right? It's a revealed religion that God has spoken. Yes, he's spoken most definitively in the person of his son. But what does that speaking then require from us? Well, it requires a response. And where does that response come from? Yes, the intellect and will. But most, I think, heartfully, where does that response come from? The heart. So it's our choice, day in and day out, to choose to respond from the heart or not. And the way we see this play out, I think, uh, most noticeably in our life of discipleship, is at times right here at liturgy. Everyone, think of all the different times we're given the opportunity to respond to God, right? God is speaking to us. We just heard three readings, four readings, right? Old Testament, a psalm, New Testament, the gospel. We just sang the glory to God that the angels sang in Bethlehem. Think of all the opportunities we have to offer to God a heartfelt response to him. That's what's playing out right here, right now. And the question for you and I is, is God receiving a response from me on a heartfelt level? Am I responding to him on the deepest level of my being? Maybe that's something that we could really focus on or ask God for the grace to do. God, I want to give to you a heartfelt response for your goodness. A response from the depth of my heart.